Just to get it out of the way right away, um, I did not get in a street fight, so this black eye uh, is actually from playing basketball. I got hit with an elbow going up for a rebound, and then this abrasion on my hand is just from being klutzy and hitting my hand against the wall. But uh, Rocky is my favorite movie, so I'm not against fighting in principle, but uh, I don't think it's appropriate for the, for the priest to be out fighting people. We should be turning the other cheek, so that's what this is from. But it's appropriate in a way uh, that these readings all have to do uh, this week with Jesus' suffering and his vulnerability. His ability to bruise is what makes him great. I remember uh, something that stuck with me a great deal from a conference we had as, as a presbyterate. All the Chicago priests together had sort of a leadership day. And this guy, Harry Kramer, who is a professor at Kellogg Business School, came and talked to us about what leadership means. Um, true servant leadership. And he said that a leader is confident, has self-confidence, but not a false self-confidence, but a true self-confidence. And what is a true self-confidence, he said? It's basically the ability to say, I'm sorry and I don't know. That if you don't have real self-confidence, you're never confident enough to admit when you were wrong or to admit that you don't know something. And those are bad leaders you maybe had a bad teacher who never admitted they didn't know something. They would always just make up an answer, and then you didn't believe them, because if you know everything, then you have to be making some of this stuff up, and if I can't tell the difference between what you're making up and what you actually know, then I don't trust you, and you're a bad teacher. But a good teacher is one who knows what they know and really knows what they don't know. Just like a good boss is one that makes firm decisions and is confident, and you can believe in him and trust in him and leave lead where he or she is leading you, but will also admit when they don't know the answer to a question. And that far from making you trust them less as a leader, it makes you trust them more. Because then you know when they do feel confident about a decision, that they are actually confident and they're not just pretending. That's what true greatness means. is not being perfect, but being trustworthy like that. And even, even if you were perfect, I think of, like, if Michael Jordan was my basketball coach, it wouldn't be very helpful to me, right? Because he's already great. He probably doesn't know what it's like to be bad and then become good, right? He's not a student of the game. He, I mean, he is in, in some ways. It's just an example. But I would much rather have somebody who had to work their whole life and figure out everything from the ground up of how to be a great basketball player than someone who just started way up here and trying to bring little old me up to him. And so why is Jesus the great high priest? That's what the, the letter to the Hebrews says today. Is it because he's so powerful and so perfect that he's the son of God and never makes a mistake, that he can touch people and, re and relieve their blindness and their deafness and their paralysis, that he can rise from the dead all of that certainly makes him great. But why does the author of the letter to the Hebrews say that Jesus is great? Because he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, but without sin. That Jesus knows what it is to be weak is what makes him great. Have you thought about that? 
that Jesus can sympathize with every single one of your weaknesses. What's greater, that he can die and rise from the dead, that he can do miracles, or that he knows absolutely every bit of suffering that every human being has ever endured, that he knows it intimately from the inside and can sympathize with it? Whatever anxiety, whatever insecurity, whatever lack of ability, whatever weakness, he knows it from the inside and can sympathize with it. That's what makes him a great high priest because he can lift us up to the Father. He does have all of this power as the Son of God seated at the right hand of the Father. But he came down into the depth of our weakness and knows it intimately. That's what makes him great. But why is it still so hard to imitate him? I look at that and I say, okay, great. He knows all my weaknesses. He knows all my faults and failings. And he isn't just some lofty guy who looks down on me and says, why are you having a hard time with this? This is easy for me. Why can't it be easy for you? Yet it still seems like he's out of reach. James and John come to him today and they say, Jesus, this is so funny how they come to him. We want you to do whatever we ask you to do. Like they're so demanding, right? And Jesus is not put off by that. And he's like, no, actually, I want you to do what I want you to do. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, we want to be great. We want to sit at your right and at your left. We want to be the most important, most in-charge people there are. Aside from you, of course. He says, okay, can you be baptized with the baptism with which I'll be baptized? Are you going to drink the chalice? It means the true suffering. Will you endure and sympathize with absolutely every bit of human weakness? Endure the consequences of every human sin and failing? Like, yeah, we can do that. No problem. He says, actually, you will. You will. To sit at my right and at my left, that's not mine to give, but you will drink the chalice that I'm going to drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism. And they do, along with all of the disciples, all of the apostles. They endure the greatest test possible. They die with Christ. They literally give their life away, just as Jesus did. Have you ever thought about how hard that might be if you were ever called on to lay down your life for your friend? To actually die? How can we do that? How can we imitate that amount of perfection? Because Jesus is not just our coach. In some ways, if he were our coach, it would be like Michael Jordan trying to teach me how to play basketball. I'm, never, I'm just going to get frustrated. I remember actually when I was fighting fires in California, my boss was like the best chainsawyer in the whole forest, in all the state of California. And I, my second year, he chose me to be one of the sawyers. So the sawyers are the guys out in front with the chainsaw cutting the fire line and the guys behind are digging the line. And I felt very good about myself that I get to be the sawyer. And look at me, I'm important. I'm, I'm good with the chainsaw. But because he was so good at it and because that was the job he had done and his years of being a hotshot in Alaska and like one of the most elite fire crews in the world, he looked at me and saw every little thing I did wrong and couldn't sympathize with me. I didn't sharpen it right. I didn't cut it right. I didn't cut the trees right. I hit the saw in the dirt and it dulled the chain and all these things that I did wrong because I wasn't that good. Not only did I not have the experience he had, but I just wasn't as capable. It wasn't my natural ability the way that he had. And so many times I felt like I wanted to quit. 
and just give up. But what if Jesus isn't just my coach or isn't just my boss who's so perfect and looks at me in my weakness and says, just do it. Just figure it out. Because if you were, I would just want to quit. It says he is similarly tested in every single way, yet without sin. Okay, but sin is the thing I need help with. That's the thing that you can't sympathize with, is that I tend to do what's wrong. I tend to do what's bad for me. It's my bad habits, my sinfulness, that I need you to sympathize with and get me out of. I don't know about you, but a lot of times this will happen to me, where I'm trying to be good. And I pray to God, I pray to the Father, I ask Jesus to stand right next to me and help me, that he can sympathize with me, he's right here, God with me, come on, let's do this. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh wait, is there a third person again? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. I forgot about him. That he's God in me, doing these things. That it's not just God up there saying, come on, you can do it. It's not just Jesus next to me running with me. He's like, come on, I'll set the pace. It's God in me actually transforming me. And so the letter to the Hebrews says, So let us confidently approach the throne of grace. Confidently approach the throne of grace with true confidence. Meaning, I'm sorry and I don't know. I'm weak. To receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. Michael Jordan can't give me what he's got. Anyway, he's old now. He can't play like he used to. But when he was in his prime, he couldn't have given me every little bit of ability he had to dunk the basketball, to fake people out, to play great defense, all the things that made him great. He can't give it to me. It's just his. But Jesus, in all his abilities, his infinite patience, his infinite mercy, compassion, generosity, self-control, all the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit... He can give those to me straight away. And how do they get in here, into my heart, into my life? The Holy Spirit's like water or like light. Wherever there's a crack, it'll just seep right in there. And those cracks are actually my weaknesses. It's when I'm in those moments where I'm like, God, I'm trying. Jesus, please help me. I can't do it. It's those little fissures and cracks in my heart that is like the one permeable part of me where I'm not just trying to do it all on my own, where I'm like, God, please help me. I can't do it. That's where that water, that light, that spirit gets in and actually lifts me out. That to be great, Jesus says, is not to be perfect. Yeah, the lords of the Gentiles lord it over everybody and make their authority felt. They say, I'm so great, I'm never wrong, I know all the answers. True greatness is to take the last place, to be the slave of all, to be the servant of all, to be humble, to recognize your weakness, to take up your cross and ask for help, not just for encouragement, not just for a life coach, but for that spirit of God which gets to us through our weakness and gives us that confidence to stand before the throne of grace and ask for mercy and grace.